Damn, I was just oh. What's up, everybody? What's up, everybody? Episode eight of the AOS podcast. We back at it on our new start day, Wednesdays. I got my boy Doc with me. Ball gonna be with us. You know, Ball's on that that West Coast time, so it's still a little early, man. So he's, he's finalizing some stuff in the building, but you know he's gonna be with us. But this episode eight, man, and, and we are here to talk about what teachers really want from their school leaders. And so had an opportunity. We sent out an AOS podcast survey. I want to shout out those 12 people uh, who um, engaged with us on the survey. We're going to definitely shout you out throughout the show. And so we definitely appreciate you. Um, but if you're a first time listening to AOS podcast, man, this is the realest and movement. And we want to appreciate you for rocking with us. So a couple of things I need you to do. First, go on Facebook and like our page, the AOS podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the AOS podcast and then subscribe to our YouTube page, the AOS podcast, man. We appreciate that. Show us some love. The folks have been rocking with us. We appreciate y'all always rocking with us. And we look to have a great show. So um, if you in the, if you were watching the show in the comments, please give us a one to 10. How you feeling today? It's Wednesday. It's hump day. We've got a lot of good stuff, man. You know, we about to set the tone. And then, you know, I'm, I'm going live tonight with the crew, man, which makes my Wednesday evening is great. So we're going to look forward to that. So thanks for rocking with us. So, you, Doc, man, you you know, man, I, I, I got that heel turn coming today, man. I, it's that uh, it's that Montreal Shawn Michaels. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Denzel and training day, man. I got some stuff off my chest, man. So if you don't mind, brother, man, but before you do your opening thoughts, man, I got some some stuff I want to say. If you don't do, do your do your thing, baby. The floor. If you will uh, oblige me for a second, I'll give him the full screen. Give him the full screen, man. Listen, I, I, I'm gonna get this full joint. Get this full joint. All right. Most of y'all been rocking with us, man. Y'all know I, I'm pretty, pretty chill guy, man. I, I'm pretty happy all the time, and I'm still happy. But it, it's about time for me to switch it up, man. I, the AOS podcast, we've been rocking for eight episodes, man. And I guess maybe because I'm the young one, I got to be the one to stir up some shit now. I'm about to be the shit starter of the group. That's about to be me. What's up, ball? They about to get What's this heat, on, man. I'm about to drop my gems on them. So earlier really? today, man, I released these uh, McGuire 7 realist education gems so I'm, I'm gonna read these off man it's gonna start my little my little opening statement so first number one principles when teachers quit your school they quitting you not the school so when the teacher leave 99 percent of the time it's your trifling ass the reason why they quitting shout out to educator barnes for that blog number two parents of kindergarten students i love the fact that your baby got straight a's and you posted your report card. But you need to ask serious questions on if they're getting graded off of coloring in between the lines, cutting in the lines, and also whether or not they can share with their classmates. How about you ask whether or not your child can read or is learning how to read and can pronounce their letter sounds? How about you ask those questions before you post these straight A's, man? Anyway, number three, there's a difference between being able to read and comprehend and reciting words on the page. I don't care that your child can recite words. That ain't reading. Number four, black educators, know your worth. Don't let anybody define your worth, including other black people. Number five, where is that energy that everybody had in March when they was wearing all these Black Lives Matters and writing all these letters? Seven months later, that energy then fizzled out. Again, people was in it for the moment and not the movement. But this is the realest ad movement, not the realest ad moment. Number six, parents, I know you like going to those fancy schools, right? That's high performing and blue ribbon. 
But don't sacrifice your child because that high performance school is failing your child for some Facebook likes. You should do some research on whether or not your kid is actually learning in that high performance school and whether or not your child is aiding in that A rating. And number seven, to my mentoring groups that like to do the high five rallies at the beginning of the year, stop trying to pimp our schools with your mentor service, man. I don't care nothing about your struggle to prosperity story. If you ain't talking about comprehending nonfiction texts or teaching my kids how to draw an array in math, I don't need nothing you got. I only got seven today. I probably got a little more, but I'm gonna say that for next show. So that's my opening statements. That's my heel turn. I'm Shawn Michaels in 96 in Montreal. I'm Denzel in training day. This is the AOS podcast. Who's next? Mike Trot. Wow. How are we supposed to follow that? We should go ahead and end the show. We should go ahead and end the show right there. God, I mean, y'all, y'all, man. y'all have been listening to episode eight. We appreciate y'all tuning in. <laughs> the hey, if you just tuned in, y'all need to make sure that y'all t- go back and watch the opening segment of this show. Like, I, that's all I'm gonna say. I don't even know how you followed up, but uh, man, I don't know. It's my whole opening statement. Well, uh, look, don't worry. <laughs> hey, here's the thing. I- I want to ask y'all. I got some questions for y'all for y'all. Well, this, this, I do have one thing about the opening statement because you did Go talk ahead. about people being in it for the moment and not yes. the movement. Uh, you see, I done broke out the blackest dope hoodie for the day, baby. So uh, get at me. I got the quote on the back, uh, a quote that came out of the book Voices. Um, when we were doing our autograph session, I had to think of something you know, real slick to say. But basically, the quote on the back says, your most important tool you will ever have is your voice and never let anyone take your tool. Um, so you can see my boy Dave just use his voice to really Drop seven gems. So, and then I just want to shout out everybody that went out and read the blog, the latest blog that dropped last Friday. Um, it was a, a heartfelt tribute to all the mentors. We our last show was on mentors, all the female mentors in my life, uh, with this with the you know, a head nod to my boy Tupac in the dear mama thing. That's kind of how I wrapped it up. So, shout out to everybody that read the blog. If you haven't, please go check it out. Uh, Dr. Smith, Dr. Vashon Smith.com. Um, and I've been getting crazy feedback on the blog. So my two co-hosts, along with Unc, is the ones that inspired that piece from the piece, uh, the panel I was on where we talked about protecting black women in the workforce. And then we did the show on Mentor, and it kind of came together into the blog post. Uh, that that really was a heartfelt thing for me. I mean, I literally dropped a couple of tears writing it, and it was basically a tribute to my grandmother, who is the greatest woman I've ever known in my life. So uh, I'm ready to get this show started, man. We, it's it's going to be a hot show, bro. We, I'm hoping, I really do hope I don't lose my job off this show. <laughs> That's the heat we need. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Ball, man. man. What's up, brother? Fellas, uh, it's it's good to be amongst you today. Um, again, uh, Dave, I don't know how to follow that. Yeah, you 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 brought the heat, you brought the smoke. Uh, you know, it's a it's a Wednesday afternoon, and uh, and I'm fired up to be here. Uh I, you know, I, there are several things that I wanted to to kind of branch off of from, <laughs> from your seven points. Um <laughs> You know, one is 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 the value of grades, and I, and I think that that is is really important. You know, what what do they actually mean? And those are discussions that we've had in my in my building and every place that I've been. Because uh, you know, are we are we grading for for what students know and what they understand their mastery, or are we looking at their compliance? Mm. And. <laughs> and and I actually have had that conversation in my house as well, but I won't get into that. But. <laughs> Because I, I mean, the bottom line is, you know, we got to do the best that we can for for our kids. Um, I'm I'm here. Uh, I'm 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 fired up for the show. You know, over the last couple of weeks, 
um, you know, we've had uh, s- some challenges, you know, that we're facing here in our district, um, you know, this is as part of our intro and we're, we're going to get into, you know, what our teachers need. But right now we're completely remote, but we're getting ready to transition into a hybrid. So uh, I, I think that ties in a lot to what we're going to talk about in today's show. And, and just uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate you. Yeah, I think I mean, let me let me comment on one more thing that because Bob talked about it with that, you know, are we grading for actual comprehension? Or are we grading for compliance? And it, it takes me back last night. I had my title one parent meeting. Shout out to the parents that jumped on that uh, Zoom call with me um, and also my teachers that came in to support it. And one of the things I really wanted to push in that meeting was this uh, school parent compact, this agreement that we have mm-hmm. with parents to be a part of this collaboration process to educate kids. And one of the things I told the, the, my parents is if you don't have the tools to have that conversation with your teacher, come talk to me. I'll give you those tools because I need you to be a bigger advocate for your student than I am. Um, but with that, though, when you talked about that compliance piece is if your kid is getting straight A's. But when I look at iReady scores and I look at map state data and they tell me that your kid is a sixth grade reading on a second grade level, that straight A ain't uh, really valid. Dude, how about <laughs> just having a conversation with that kid? What did you learn today? Man, grades are subjective, dude. I'm telling you, man, if, depending on how the wind blow, that's whether or not you're going to fall on this D or this F. It ain't even been on, it depends if I like you. If I like, if I like you. you. Yeah. If I mm. like you. And, you know, so that's that's the big thing is like, let's let's get beyond grades. Let's, let's look at some standardized assessments. Mm. And I know standardized assessments do have their biases and things like that to it. But I'm, I'm tired of teachers, parents, School districts, politicians looking at one data point to speak to how a kid can learn. Let's let's start, let's teach people how to triangulate data. Let's look at multiple data points yeah. and let's have those conversations instead of just looking at one grade or thing like that. So that's the big thing. I'm trying to get my teachers like we're going to look at iReady data. We're going to look at teacher generated assessments. We're going to look at code rights. We're going to look at cool downs. We're going to look at bell work. We're going to look at multiple data points in order to make a decision on where a kid is and not just one thing to dictate where a kid is. Because if you look at Shaq, and you look at his foul shot percentage, you're going to think Shaq was a horrible basketball player. But Shaq mm-hmm. was one of the most dominant players ever played in the game. So you can't look at one data point to tell the whole story for anybody, no matter what it is, school or in life. Period. Yep. So, so, so listen, I, you can already tell where we're going today. Uh, and the show is, again, what do, what do teachers need? So here, what kind of supports are you providing as a leader in your school or school community facing racial injustice? And I talked about it. I said it. You know, got these folks out here in March was real happy and giddy for this social justice thing. And then seven months later, right, it's kind of faded. Right. And it's like, I'm a double dutch into this conversation. Right. I ain't really going to have it. So I want to know it. I'm going to get to the survey results. But I know you guys, we talked about it in multiple shows. Um, But what have y'all done to make sure this conversation has still stayed relevant and make sure that whether it's teachers, uh, parents, students, um, or other community members to make sure that you're still having these conversations and providing supports um, during this time. Uh, so I, I'll jump in first. Um, Cause I think I, 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 I know I've been at the forefront in my district on this work. Like, I mean, it's not, I mean, it ain't even close. I, I'm not going to even go down that road, but it ain't even close. Um, but I just let a, t- a Twitter chat two weekends ago around the work that I've been doing in my building. And the first thing, is we had to develop that why. Once again, I, I've said that every time we talked about it. Why Why are we doing this work? Are we doing it because it's a feel-good story or are we doing it because the news, you know, everybody's been talking about it in the news or it's the new hot topic, you know, on Twitter or whatever like that. The why for us is because I want teachers 
to be able to examine themselves. I want you to be able to examine yourselves and I don't want you to bring your biases and your isms. I don't care if you white, black, Hispanic, Asian or whatever into the classroom when you're presenting material to the kids. So that's kind of where we're at and what we're doing in this and with our work right now. And I showed you all the PowerPoint uh, a few episodes ago that we started out the school year with setting the stage. We did the book preview a couple of weeks ago. And then next week we're diving into chapter one of why are all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria? And once again, just as a reflective process for teachers and staff members to say, what are the isms that you are bringing to your classroom and that are hindering kids from getting the full story of whatever content you're presenting? Yep. Bob, what you got, man? What, 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 what you got going on there? What are you trying to lead to make sure this stays uh, relevant? Yeah, man, I, I think this is one of the challenges that we face. I mean, especially in a, a community where we don't have a, a huge African-American population. And so just like you said, in the, in the summer and the spring, when everybody was on fire, you know, more people are open to it. And it's interesting. Um, I do a weekly community update uh, to my community and I, and I share it with, uh, with my supervisors, you know, I share it on, on Twitter and all that type of thing. But I'm consistent in bringing up the injustices that are happening. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I, I, put, I put in my update uh, about in just, just acknowledging the fact that, you know, it was a tough week with uh, the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Supreme Court Justice, and uh, the decision of uh, the Attorney General in Kentucky with Breonna Taylor. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I got some smoke for that, which was really interesting. It, it was really interesting. Um, but the bottom line is, um, you know, injustices aren't going away. Uh, you know, they're not going to go away if we don't face the fact that we live in a society that is built on on white supremacy. And, uh, you know, there, there are fo <clears throat> folks that, that don't have opportunities because uh, of their skin color. And it's wild. But um, I did want to show. Um, so we did a book study uh, over the summer. Uh, this book is anti-racist. Um, by <laughs> Tiffany Jewell. Mm. And um, so our monthly PDs that we're doing, we're digging into a chapter. Um, it's got, you know, 20 really good activities to go from, you know, self-reflection all the way to being anti-racist. And uh, next week we get into our, um, the next chapter is chapter four, and it talks about racism. So uh, we'll be we'll be looking at racism as a staff the next Monday at our staff meeting. Uh, then we got another book study go that's going on um, called uh, Blind Spot, uh, and so it basically looks at you know those biases that we have. And we just started that. My I give a shout out to my assistant principal that's leading that book study. Uh, but the bottom line is we're leading staff and we're having conversations uh, about uh, biases and racism and the fact that they exist. Um, and I'm communicating it to our uh, to our community. And uh, fortunately, there are other schools in the district. Uh, one of our high schools is currently reading. They're starting a, a book study tomorrow night with their entire community on Stamped. And so, uh, so I'll be participating in that. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to to that. But we're we're doing we're doing work. Uh, it's it's a process. It's a process. Yeah, absolutely. Bar, and real quick, go Bar, ahead. Who's leading those book studies in your building? So, um, so uh, this book is anti-racist. I'm leading that, and then my assistant principal is, is leading another one. Okay. Le leading the other one on blind spot. Yeah, man. So that came up in the survey. So one of the folks said. Um, to be able to find new ways to help in injustice would be having book clubs, right? 
putting those resources in front of people, using what's out there and using books that have activities. They talked about transparency. I think that's one of the things that we've always tried to be is very transparent with first who we are as leaders, who we are as black men, who we are as black fathers, what we believe and how we feel. They talked about um, the, the importance of having the conversation. Um, uh, Dio Watson said, somebody said the same thing. We got to keep our foot on the, on the gas, right? Like a lot of people have taken their foot off and we got to keep it on there. Um, Neither need someone who's willing to listen and validate experiences, right? Um, and then finally, sensitivity training, culturally inclusive training, right? So that's what some of our folks said talked in the survey. They were saying that's what they need from our leaders. And those are things that we preached and we talked about that we want to do. And so again, in the comments, we appreciate you. We want to hear from you. What are some things either that you need if you're a teacher or if you are a leader or if you're a leader in this work, what are some things you're doing to lead this conversation? So just pop those in the comments as we move through this, man. But like I said, this is a serious time and we can't let this go. So the part two of that is, how do we get everyone on board with our plan to solve racial and social injustice? And do we feel as though we need to get everyone on board to accomplish our goals? So that, that second one, man, that, that, that has me wondering, right? Because it's like, do we need to get everybody on board in order to, to, to make this train go, right? Or do we just need to get the right people on board? Is it about getting everybody or the right people? And I'm, I'm struggling with that, man, because I think I think we've all had the right people from time to time, but it's always been those ones that haven't been on the on the on the bus with us, right? That's keeping us from getting to our destination, i.e., our destination of, you know, uh, social awakening and social equality, right? And so I want to know from y'all, man, because I'm I'm struggling. I don't know, man. I, I think we've had the right people. I think we had the right people in the '60s, right? We had the right people in the '80s. We had the right people in the '90s. We got the right people now, but we don't have everybody. And it's some of those other ones that's holding us back, man. So what do y'all think, man? Do we need everybody on board to accomplish our goal? I and even know. in your school. So even take it from a school context. Yeah. I'll let Bob jump in first. Yeah. From, from the school perspective, uh, I think it doesn't do us any good if in a, I'm in a big district. If, you know, we're doing it piecemeal at mm. each individual school and you got this school over here, this elementary and this elementary, they're working together. You got the high school, you know, they're kind of doing their thing that's a little bit different. It, it's it's got to come from the top, man. I, I really feel like if your superintendent or, you know, district leadership has that as a priority, then it's going to be much easier for you as a school principal or, you know, teacher at a school site to, to you know, provide those resources that the teachers need. Or, you know, if you're a teacher that, you know, that's, that's, that's got a handle on that different curriculum, then it's going to be easier for you when it comes to, hey, you get questions from your parents. Hey, this is a district priority. Our superintendent has come out and said, this is where we're focused on creating an environment of equity. It, I think when you got that leadership from the top, that makes it much easier. And you have a, a, a plan that's put in place in order to address um, address the the inequity that that exists uh, racially, especially, um, but you know you're not going to gain gain traction if you don't have that buy-in from the top, and it's going to be difficult because you're not you, there's no way that you're going to get everybody on board. There are people that don't 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 believe that racism exists exactly, <laughs> and yeah. I've had conversations with them recently. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're not going to get them, and, and and it's difficult. But you know, I mean, as as a staff, if you if you got those right teachers in place, 
you know, that, that are leaders, they're going to be influencing some folks. You know, they're going to be influencing students. They're going to be influencing families. And, and, and that's what we need. Uh, we, we can't wait. We can't wait. We can't be patient for someone else to get along. And, and you know, it, it's great to have that, again, to have that leadership from the top. But if you don't have it as a school site leader, you can't wait for it either. And that's kind of where I was going to go with it is like if, if sometimes when, when you're in a position that you want to make a move, sometimes not only do you have to lead your people, sometimes you have to coach up. Mm. So and I'm not saying like our district has had some some equity talks and we've done some work in the past. Um, but I think going into this school year, it looks a little bit different. Um, I think for you to really get the effect that you want to have that's long lasting, those conversations and that work needs to be more intimate um, even within our building, even with our building, we, we rarely do anything whole staff around this work. It's always broken down into smaller subgroups that we have people working. They have those relationships where they can have those true intimate conversations with each other that they would teachers would be. And I've heard teachers feedback saying I wouldn't be OK to have that conversation in front of the whole staff, but I'm OK having it with the rest of the encore teachers or with the rest of the sixth grade teachers because they have that that intimacy amongst their group. So I think that it'd be great, like Ball said, to have a top-down approach, you know, all the way through and have a seamless plan across all buildings, things like that. But sometimes you have to coach up and then sometimes you have to be the trailblazer for everybody to get behind. You know, you have to be able to step out there and say, you know what, I'm willing to make this move because I know it's for the betterment of not just my school, but for my students in my community in which I serve outside of just my students. So it's better for my parents because I've had conversations with parents as well who were on the opposite side of the fence as me as far as this work goes. But through that conversation, we may not have convinced each other, but it brought us closer together. And I don't think you're going to change anybody's mind after one conversation. But if we can start the conversation and continue to have the conversation, it's going to be more important than anything. So, <clears throat> so yeah, if you got that top down, seamless across the district approach and a plan, that's awesome. But if you don't, as a school leader, you have to decide, is this work important for me and the priorities and what I want to see my building become moving forward? Absolutely. Hey, comments, post in the comments, man. Make sure that you jump in and tell us, you know, whether you feel like everybody needs to be on board, uh, respond to us. We appreciate everybody uh, jumping in. And so we're going to keep this going. So we're going to jump pivot now to not away from it, but we're going to talk about uh, instruction. Right. And so what does instructional feedback look like from you as a school leader? Right. So, again, we are school leaders. And I think we we talked about it on previous shows, right? Like that one of those anchors, that that important anchor, man. When you when you lead in the school is, is is instruction, and you got to know your instruction, whatever your background is. So, what does instructional feedback look like from you as a school leader? Uh, so for me, the one thing we've been working on um, is really getting teachers to understand um, things aren't synonymous. So a strategy, a technique, and an activity are not all the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, and just today at lunch, I was talking with some uh, colleagues of mine and one of them said, hey, I'm not I don't really understand what the difference is. Can you help me? And I had to tell them, I said, so, for example, previewing new content is a strategy. Using the KWL chart to do that is a technique. And then using the KWL to talk about, you know, ocean makeups. That's the actual activity you're having kids do. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the point, the approach that I come from as first. What is the strategy? What are we trying to you know, what strategy is teachers using? And then from there, how do they employ a technique? And how that technique come across to deliver that instruction or that information to kids. So that's kind of where we're at right now is making sure that teachers understand that seamless approach, um, first of all. And then once we have that, what is our criteria for success that we have for that day? How are we assessing kids to see if they hit that criteria for success? 
And then what are we doing to build in supports for our students who aren't there yet? And what are we doing to build in extensions for our kids who are already there and need their, their thoughts pushed? And then we're having those conversations every Monday and Wednesday in Content PLC around those four essential questions. What is our criteria for success? Uh, how are we assessing kids? What are our scaffolds and what are our extensions? So when I walk into a class or go into a virtual, you know, to a Zoom class, I'm looking for the evidence of those components of that planning that took place. And then my feedback is going to be aligned to those things. Absolutely. Um, so I'll jump in because one of the one of the comments in the survey said, I would like feedback to focus and be applicable to the situation. So one of the things that we're rolling out now is this thing called real time feedback. Right. And it's a big thing. Like, so you go in a room, you observe, right? You take your notes and then you have your feedback meeting. Maybe show the teacher the video. You put in the action step and then they reteach it later. We're trying to move to real time feedback because in the moment that teacher needs, needs that, that feedback. And so what I do is I go in the classroom and I see a teacher doing something wrong. And in the moment, I'm a corrector. And it may seem odd eventually at first because it's like, hey, I'm going to give you a whisper correction. Hey, I want you to try that again. Let's let's do that one more time. Let's get those directions again. Or mm, that model's not right. Try it this way, right? So we're, we're moving to real-time feedback because we got to stop it at the point of error. We can't let that error keep going, especially if they're teaching something wrong. You got to stop that ASAP. And I've been, I'm, I'm good with the whiteboard telling the teacher that ain't right, right? <laughs> that's, that's not the thing. Have them go deeper. Or we're pushing academic discourse, right? Students need to talk more. So I'm holding up a sign, stop talking because you're doing too much talking as a teacher or circulate because you're missing things. And so real-time feedback is a big one for us. But again, we pull three levers at our school, student culture, observation and feedback, data-driven instruction, right? All the instruction is based off of data and we're pushing that observation and feedback heavy. And so we tiered our teachers, um, red, yellow, green, and red and yellow, you're gonna see me two to three times a week. Green, you're gonna see me one. You're gonna have a uh, ops feedback meeting, which we're gonna look at your instruction, and you're gonna have a weekly data meeting. We're gonna have to bring that assessment, um, and we're gonna have to look at it, and you know, three highs, three mediums, and three lows, and we're gonna find a common error and try to fill the gap, and we're gonna plan a reteaching plan. You're gonna practice the reteaching plan, and then you're gonna reteach it, and we're gonna go from there, and that's how we're giving the feedback. And we implemented practice clinics with our new teachers, and so, Brand new teachers do practice clinics every Wednesday morning. And so you bring your lesson marked up and we're going to practice certain components, whether it's a turn and talk. I want to hear you go through your steps of a turn and talk. I want to see you run through it because it might be something there. Might be too much talking. Might not be clear directions, right? Might not have named your laps appropriately when you're aggressively monitoring. So those, that's what instructional feedback looks for me. But as a leader, that's a lot of work on my end. Planning for those meetings, right? Uh, planning that feedback. Make sure I know what I, I know what I'm looking for. So looking at lesson plans ahead of time. So uh, how are you coaching up first year teachers? Man, we on first year teachers head. And I tell them in the interview, first of all, are you OK with somebody interrupting you in the middle of your teaching? <laughs> that's, that's one of our interview questions. How do you take feedback? Can you take critical feedback? And we'll give them feedback in the middle of the interview just to see how they respond to it. So uh, that's what we doing. But for me as a leader, it's been a shift for me, man, because I was a high school English teacher. So math really ain't my forte. So I spent some time when I'm looking at these math essay tickets. I'm like, hold on, I gotta make sure I can do this problem too before I'm giving these directions. So, Bob, what about you, man? What does that uh, mm. instructional feedback look like for you? Yeah, it's looked a, it's looked a lot different this year. Uh, to be completely <laughs> honest, um, I, I wish we could dig in a lot a lot deeper. Uh, than we have to get into those strategies. Um, it, it's been interesting. Again, uh, we're in a completely remote environment, and um, I think we're going to get into you know what teachers need a little bit more a little bit later, right? Mm -hmm. But I I, th I I think 
you know, my staff has has just needed that um, that positive reinforcement, uh, that assurance that we that I've got their back yeah. because uh, it has been a really difficult transition for a lot of our teachers uh, to be fully remote. And, you know, I a, as much as I would want to get at somebody's head with <laughs> <laughs> with with what I see, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I, I, I've, I've got to be human and I've got to understand that this is a, a completely different environment than what we're used to. Um, so, you know, when I when I do go into classes and when I get in there, you know, I'm trying to interact a, a little bit, you know, because when the principal comes into a, a class, you know, the kids, you know cameras start coming on and you know (laughs) things start to happen there's a little bit higher level of engagement uh so 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 it's a little bit different and a lot of times the 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 students will notice me before the teachers will because they're you know focused and so i think one of the things that we've really been trying to do and we're going to be addressing in our next staff meeting is the concept of asynchronous learning because we're not there Mm -hmm. we we don't understand that as a staff because everyone feels like I've got 75 minutes with my students today. We need to be on camera. I need to be talking 75 minutes. Mm-hmm. And not everybody's talking for the entire 75 minutes, but you know, they feel yeah. like they have to be there and that they have to coach the student. And if they, you know, and, and so we're going to talk about, you know, what asynchronous looks like and how we get to a students, get students to a point where, Hey, uh, you, you know, I, I trust that when we get off this camera, you know what the steps are to accomplish whatever our learning objective is for the day or for the unit. I think also right now that with that Zoom instruction that we're doing, and I just had a conversation um, just in the last week with a teacher of mine who um, literally just this year going to this, this format has started to blossom. And what has helped him blossom is we can, uh, he sat down with my instructional coach, um, shout out to Ms. Williams, who is now my assistant principal, uh, Basically, and what she did was she'll sit down with him and look, they'll watch the video and she'll mm-hmm. give him feedback. So then when he come back on B-Days with that same content, it looks totally different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before teachers were so worried about recording themselves teaching and now you ain't got no choice. So now <laughs> we can sit down and have yeah. those conversations about what mm-hmm. we're seeing where, you know, and he basically when he came in to talk to me after working with the instructors, he walked me through the side. He's like, yeah, Dr. he showed me the first video. I was like, I was doing way too much talking. I took too much time to get into the instruction. I was too much clicking on my canvas page to get to the actual lesson. So when we got to the second video, it was like, boom, 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 boom. You know, so, but I, and where I feel like last year we would have those same conversations and wanted to do some of those same adjustments. He couldn't see himself. So he couldn't make those adjustments. And now when you can see yourself and like, dang, they are right. Like I'm watching the video and I'm even bored. So mm-hmm. I think take, taking advantage of those Zoom recordings and teaching, uh, talking to teachers about changing their instruction through that piece will then pay dividends when kids do come back in the building as well. Absolutely. And so um, Michelle asked about how do I build relationships? And so I had to learn this after the first year of implementing real-time feedback because I was just in there like cutting everybody off. Like, ah, uh-uh. so there's one or two ways we can do it. So I, I got what teacher said, do you want me to do the approach with the whiteboard, or sometimes I'll raise my hand like a student and I'll ask a question, which will trigger to the teacher that you're off base, or you should probably ask it this way. Or I'll say, hey class, what about this, right? So I'll go that approach. Or some teachers are saying, you can, you can just walk up and whisper to me, right? And so it's all about a comfortability, but I had to ask them, we're gonna do this real-time feedback. So here are the options. I can do the whiteboard, I can do the casual hand in the back and ask the broad question, or I can whisper it in your ear, and which one works for you? And they said, well, I wanna do this one. And I've had some teachers that have graduated and said, okay, enough of the whiteboard. I need you to just tell me in a moment. And so I can go up to them and I whisper to them. 
But I, I had to find something that worked for every teacher because that's how I was going to build a relationship. Otherwise, to your point, either A, they get an attitude or they shut down. And that's bad for kids. And as much as I want them to fix it, I need them to be right. And so I have to I, ha I can find a common ground there. But I'm not wavering on the real time feedback. If it's wrong. Now, if it's dead wrong, I'm going to just stop you and I'm going to do it. And I'm a model for you. And then I might say in the coaching meeting. So what did you notice that I did that was different? Right. And I'll do that. But to your point, man, when the content is wrong. The environment can't be an excuse. So I, you can miss me with your feelings. If I said multiple representations and you gave the kids one, I'm going to cut you off and say, like, they need multiple because the assignment's going to have them do multiple, right? And, and if, if they're talking about citing evidence from the text, I don't need you to cite evidence from your head and what you know. I need you to pull from the text, recite it from the text, and then build off of it. So, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to, that's what we're doing. So we're going to stay on the instructional piece. Um, a little bit. And so, Ball, you know, you talked about this and I want you to kick it off. How are you upholding instructional expectations this school year compared to years in the past? Because this year ain't like last year or the year before last. And so you were kind of touching on that a little bit with it being in a remote center. So how are you still upholding those expectations uh, this year compared to other years? I think that one of the biggest things is making sure that we have uh, specific learning targets. Uh, I mean, they, the teachers have, you know, they feel like they have to have the exact same instruction that they had in a um, in the traditional classroom setting. Mm. And so. How do I put this without you know sounding too <laughs> wild? But they're putting a tremendous amount of pressure on themselves. And one of the things that I, I think that we're seeing as a district, we're, we're a high-performing district, and <laughs> our, our staff is there, – there, there's, there's not a lot of correction that has to be made in the classroom when it comes to how to teach kids and, and the different strategies, the different tools, the different techniques that you use. But they wanted to be perfect the first time. And so <laughs> – they're, I mean, completely honest, they're wearing themselves out. And, you know, they're, I have to do coaching around that. We have mm. to do coaching around self-care. And we have to do coaching around maybe we don't ha have to have these specific, you know, we don't have to hit all 10 um, learning standards that we have in the past. Like, let's, 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 draw, let's pull it back a little bit and dig a little bit deeper than we have in the past because we have that time to do it. Uh, so, so I think it's been a lot more coaching around the best way to handle remote remote learning versus in the past in the classroom. You know, it, it, it's it's around you know not so much the uh, classroom management, but about you know instruction. How how are we how are we moving this the student forward? How are we moving this group this group of students based on this assessment? You know, I see where your students are, are performing. You know, let's 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 dive deeper. Let's let's look at uh, other different other strategies, other resources that we have to support those students. And 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 our staff is was was all about that. But it's just a completely different time right now. Mm -hmm. And 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 I, and I feel I'm, I'm I'm torn because you know, am I doing the right thing mm -hmm. when, when not focusing so much on the instructional strategies? And focusing more on the social emotional of our staff, I think we're doing the right thing. Just mm -hmm. because I see, I see where we're at. Mm -hmm. I think this is what we need yeah. as, as a school and as a community. So I'm a little. I think I'm a. Little, I'm not. I'm not coming for the heads. 
<laughs> I mean, listen, because they're, they're going at their own heads. Right. And, Bob, that's a lot of pressure. And you led with it about being a high-performing district, man. So being a high-performing district, you have teachers who probably used to, you know, high 60, 70, 80 proficiency, right? And now it's like, man, like, you know, this this is a different time. I'm teaching online. Uh, kids engaged, halfway engaged. I don't know if they're really doing this assessment. They're Googling it. You know, so it's all those other factors. And as you move to a hybrid, it'd be interesting to see, you know, how kids perform. But so the hand says, sounds like y'all don't trust your teachers, mm. or at least that's what folks going to say. So, Doc, man, you talk about upholding <clears throat> expectations from this year, man. Also, touch on, touch on what the hand said, man, about not trusting. And so, <laughs> this is, I feel like right now, as an administrator, a principal, vice principal, whatever it is, there there is this this crazy juggling act you got to do right now, mm. because you do have teachers who are learning to be online instructors at the same time. Some of them are still learning their content and trying to go deeper with it. Um, so one of the things that we've really been focusing on last year, and I had this conversation with my teacher because some of them were starting to feel overwhelmed and like where exactly you know we, we're not understanding the connection and kind of what we're doing. Um, so two things that I wanted to do. First, I wanted to kind of take them back and show them where we come from last year. Last year was my first year. And what I told them was last year, we did kind of the science part of teaching. You know, we had to get everybody understanding what the purpose of a lesson plan was and how do we, why, why do we all need a lesson plan template to follow? We had to make sure we understood what the PLC process should look like and what should be happening in the PLC. We had to understand why we do common assessments, like all those technical things that need to be in place before you can really go deeper with instruction. So as we moved into this year, you know, I said, now we don't switch from the science to the art side of things. So now we're looking at what strategy do I pull in? What technique do I pull in? How do I build in scaffolds? All those different things that's the art side, because now you have the canvas there, but now you got to go in and do the fine detail. So you got to know what paintbrush you're going to pick up, what, what color shade of red you're going to use over here, because this shade of red ain't going to work for this student, but it might work for this student. So um, I, I'm upholding the standard from, do I see you trusting the process? Now, at some point, we're going to get to and actually dig in and make sure that our, our depth of knowledge is there, making sure we're going beyond just retrieval and recall and we're going into comprehension and analysis. But I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of you can't change multiple things at the same time. So first, I have to get you understanding the process to get those repetitions in. And then once you get those repetitions in, now we can actually get on your head about the content you're actually delivering in the classroom. And I just, you know, the way that the analogy I gave them was if I'm coaching a football team or a basketball team, I'm going to give you the baseline play. You need to understand how to run a nine route or run, you know, off tackle, or you need to understand how to run, you know, the triangle offense. Once you have the basic down, then I don't mind you ad libbing. But until you get the basic formations down, I can't have you going off at limit. So where the accountability for me right now is making sure that they understand the planning process and how to build in scaffolds, how to truly under, unpack a standard and do all those things there. And then I know once they have that, it will then transition to the classroom because you can't change two things at the same time. I'm a firm believer in that. Mm -hmm. So, Doc, can I follow up on that? Do you do you feel like you've got teachers that already know the basic play and you don't have to worry about them as much? Or do you feel like, you know, your entire staff that's. So this is the funny thing, and I read this in a, a book somewhere a long time ago, is my teachers who I feel like have the basic plays and could go off and ad-lib a little bit are the ones that's digging in and asking the deeper questions about, hey, how can I use this strategy? Or how does this technique work different? Or how is this scaffold line? And my teachers who don't got it are the ones that want to go out and ad-lib. Like, or they're saying, well, I, I got this, I've done this before, but you can't tell me the difference between the strategy and the technique. And they're like, well, do we have, and my thing, at our school, we use Marzano. That's, that's, and I told them, that's a non-negotiable. 
I don't, I don't care. You can go out and study Hattie or whoever you want, but we're going to use Marzano when you walk in this building and you're going to attach it to a strategy and a technique out of the Marzano work that we've been doing. So one of the big things was, well, we've been doing these techniques all these times. And I'm like, yeah, you've been doing them, but have you been doing them at, in the right time? Have you been doing them at, in the right way? You know, that's the piece that we need to get back to. Just because you're using a technique don't mean you used it at the right time. You're doing a summary technique when you just now introduce a new content. How are you already summarizing stuff? You just now giving the kids the information. So that's the piece I need to understand is strategies. Certain strategies are better at certain parts of a lesson. So that's the piece. So like I said, my better teachers who probably I could not have to worry about, for example, on the top of my head, you know, uh, my ELA department, a lot of my ELA departments like Miss Reese and Miss Johnson and Miss Curtis, like they have it. Uh, but they're the ones that's coming back to me, making sure that they do have it before they try to go off and ad lib. And my ones who struggling, I ain't gonna call names, they wanna go off and ad lib. And I'm like, nah, you ain't ad libbing yet. Like, go sit down somewhere, you know, go back to on the bench and we're gonna run this play, when, you know, next time. So that's the that's the thing that I see. And it's, it's the same thing, you know, your, your good teachers always wanna get better and always gonna be the ones trying to do go the extra mile. And the ones that probably, you know, need to go work at Walmart are the ones trying to ad lib. And man, listen, I, and mm -hmm. listen, AOS podcast mm -hmm. family, uh, folks in the comments, Unc, the rest of the hands, my bros, please don't, please don't kill me for what I'm about to say. Man, you ain't ad-libbing shit at Tinley Summit. You hear me? You gonna follow this goddamn mm -hmm. script. <laughs> you gonna follow this curriculum and you gonna do this, you gonna do this lesson plan. Like, and listen, we probably gonna have a show where I'm gonna bring my APO and she will tell you, her and I don't play. You will use the curriculum my teacher of the year will tell you you gotta use the curriculum hell yeah can you deviate no nope. no because we're not at that place as a school yet right so we're in a place of we're trying to get kids to where they need to be where they deserve to be at y'all and first of all my longest tenure teacher is four years what you know in four years mm. what you know in four? no you're gonna mm. follow this curriculum so at tinley summit you're gonna follow this lesson plan the way it's written. When you mark it up and I give you feedback, you're going to correct it. And after it's been proofed and sealed, stamped, and signed, you're going to teach it. Now, that doesn't mean that after we do the observation that we find a gap in that spot or in the moment. But you go, basically, you're going to read off this script. That's what I need you to do. Wow. I need you to ask this question right here. You need to listen for these responses. If you don't get these responses, pull a question out the back pocket, BPQ. And ask this question. That's how we're gonna do it. You gonna so, do a turn to talk? Go ahead. I just I we're not there yet. And and I gotta they know I gotta put my reins on it, me, my AP and I, because we gotta move this school. And kids ain't got time for you to be trying to be super teacher. I need you to do what I say do, when I say do it, how I say do it, so we can all move forward. And like I said, and when I when I say ad lib, I'm talking ad lib as far as like I said. Marzano, using Marzano strategies are non-negotiable at our building. Mm -hmm. Following the curriculum is a non-negotiable. You're going to do that. <laughs> okay. live. what I mean is teachers say, well, you know what? Marzano says we're supposed to preview new content, but I'm going to go over here because Hattie said do this. No, you ain't going to go over there because Hattie ain't going to do it. <laughs> you're going to do what Marzano said, and you're going to attach it to one of these techniques that's on this sheet for previewing new content or whatever. And then I want to really hit on us. He said teachers of the year should be able to do what they want. I bring my teacher of the year on from last year. My teacher of the year is one of the primary ones that come to see me at least three or four times a week asking to go deeper with Marzano. So where she probably could go off and do she, my teacher of the year is one of the teacher I wish I was when I was in the classroom. But she's one of my leaders that's helping other people to say, no, Dr. Smith said you got to use Marzano. My teacher of the year would be snitching. Yo, McGuire, <laughs> they ain't teaching the curriculum. 
<laughs> they not following the lesson plan. She already know. Oh, turnover rate. Hey man, listen. I replaced three teachers out of th- oh. out of forty. If and listen, if you if you ain't good for kids, I fire everybody. Period. I don't care about turnover rates. To me, turnover rate should be whether or not I want you to stay. If I want you to stay and you leave, then you count against me. But if I let you go, that ain't turnover. You don't need to be here. So that's how I break that. But again, ours is ours is decent. I mean, our network is terrible. But see, I'm the happy school, right? Y'all, y'all know I'm a good, I'm a nice, I'm, I have fun. I'm you're not quite school. like Doc. You know, happy. Wait till next Party Friday. Wait till next Friday. Wait till next Friday. It's lunch. It's Friday. We got the food truck. <laughs> hey, man, listen. Y'all got a show tonight. I told y'all it's episode eight. Y'all about, y'all about to see the uh, AOS podcast in a different light. Let, let, me, let, me tell you, let me tell you real quick. Why, I mean, my staff is dope as hell. I'm going to tell you why. I've been operating solo dolo with no APs for six weeks and they've been rocking with me side by side the whole time but let me tell you this and I just presented my school improvement plan to my board last week and this is why I do for what I care for my staff we didn't take state testing because of the pandemic which we was pissed we wanted to test but I'm gonna give you just a quick snippet we took the fall I ready test the week after Labor Day in reading we had 22 percent of our kids score tier one which means they read on grade level and three months of instruction when we took the winter we were up to 45 percent like mm. We getting ridiculous now. We went from math from 22% to 38% in three months of instruction. So we were like, hey, we ready to take the state assessment because we knew how we was going to bomb it out. That's to the a, point, that to that point, we took we just took our far I ready again. Mind you, this is after COVID and everything like that. And our kids came in this year at the same level, if not better than where they started at last year. Mm. So, and I mean, so that, that just shows why, I mean, I do what I can for my staff. And like I said, I replaced three teachers. Two of them had to go. <laughs> they had to go and the other one retired so like you know and she retired hold on she retired and wanted to rescind her retirement paperwork so mm-hmm. uh, so i so the turnover rate i said i'm with you if you don't want to be here like i said i'm, I'm gonna try to use my job my two ap's mm-hmm. didn't want to be on the bus to chicago no more that's why i've been solo dolo for six weeks they gotta go man hey hey man i gotta go i gotta go to uh uh kill patrick man I, so it's a good question um, and they said, have you surveyed your scripted uh, for bias or racial disparity? If so, do you plan around us? Mm. Uh, mm. You sound like you work in Indiana, but I, because that's a good question, though. So I say this. What we did first was when we got the curriculum, we did an audit of it. Right. I'm going to tell you this. See, it's easy. The easiest thing to do is look at something that you about to implement. You got to get some fresh eyes, somebody that has no connection to your school and say, I want you to look at this curriculum, look at the text that, that we're reading, right? Look at the articles that we have and things like that. And you tell me, based on our demographics, based on the socioeconomics of our school, based on the location of our school, right? Is uh, there some blind spots that we have as a school? And this independent auditor did. They noticed some blind spots with books and materials and things like that. So when we got that information back, yeah, it was a gut shot, right? But we had to then adjust. We had, to, okay, so let's look at what is the goal that's trying to be accomplished, right? With, with this particular text. Let's find a text that's more closely relevant, that's of rigor, I wanna name that, that's of rigor, that can get us to the same goal. And so then we looked for those and we found those. And you know we had to basically repurchase some books. And so we had some books that we just kind of gave away and we bought new books, man, and, and tried to do that. But that's a good question. <clears throat> but again, we first looked at it from our standpoint, which I believe is wrong. Then we had to get some fresh eyes, the independent outs to look at and say, we need your honest feedback on this curriculum. 
So great question. That's just something we did because we did get a curriculum from another school. Um, and so when we took it, we didn't align it to the Indiana uh, State Standards, which is a whole nother conversation. And shout out to Unc for his show last night, who kind of hit on standards. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but we we aligned it to ours. We made some tweaks and then we have, you know, which is our curriculum that we've been using for three years now. So Kilpatrick, great question. You from oh Philly, Philly. I love me some Philly. I was just gonna really ask you if you would uh, if you were using the teacher college curriculum. Nah, man, we're not we're not doing no teachers college, man. But I listen, <laughs> I do I do have some friends that graduated from Columbia's teacher college. I just yeah. I'll say that. I'll, <laughs> but let's, I'll, next question. I'll say we got it out here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> next question. Uh, all right, let's 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 where we at, man? Where we at on the next question, man? We didn't went off. Okay, here we go. How do you? Oh, this is a good one. I think, Bob, this is where you was going. How do we as school leaders better understand the stresses of teachers and parents during this pandemic? So I know I want to lay down a hammer on teachers, but one of our models, and I'll let you go real quick. Ours is grace, patience, and empathy. That's our model going into this year. But you wanted to hit on that, man. So kind of touch on that. How are you dealing and be having a better understanding? Yeah. So, um, you know, our, our school theme this year or school wide focus is liberty and justice for all. And I talked about that mm. at the very beginning um, uh, several podcasts ago. And, and I think that we can't just look at it from the perspective of how we're supporting all of our students, creating an environment that's, you know, that's safe for them, where they're going to be able to thrive. But I think we have to also do that for our staff. And, you know, one of the things I've been doing is just is real simple. It's just a check-in. I've been sending a Google form each week and asking them, you know, let me know what's going on, how you're feeling. Um, I've, I've changed it up a couple of times. And the one that we're using right now, um, I call it the uh, rant and rave. So give them the opportunity to, you know, rave about something that's going really well. They've been shouting out their colleagues and then rant on how they're feeling. And it is so insightful to hear the things that they're dealing with. You know, we've got staff members that are that are having you know family members that are struggling that have had COVID or having whatever you know they can't go out and see them because of of the threat of of, of infecting their parent with COVID and things like that and uh you know just again the the most recent one we're, we're talking about that transition to um to a hybrid and we weren't to be completely honest we weren't ready for remote learning and we're trying talking about January 5th that we're going to open up in a hybrid format. And we just had a, a staff meeting this morning and they had so many questions that we had no answers for. And just taking the time to ask and giving them that space to express how they're feeling and the, the, what, what their thought process is has been has been really beneficial. And, you know, I'm not, not dropping the hammer, just asking. It's just that simple. Just giving them the space and the time asking, how are you feeling? What is it that you need from me? What is it that you need from us? And, and that's one of the biggest leadership lessons that I've learned, not just as an educator, but you know, folks, folks just want to be heard. Yeah. And if they and if they if they feel heard and you know they're great people, they're great teachers, they're gonna go do their thing. That's uh, that that's what that's what I'm seeing. Man, listen, my grandma said God gave you two ears and one mouth so you can listen twice as much as you speak. And we got to do more listening, especially in this time. We got to do more listening sure. uh, to folks and we got to do more listening. We got to be more, have more empathy, have more patience, man, and have more grace. So, Doc, man, you know, we, 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 we joked and we talked about, 
you know, all the stuff you're doing for your staff, but how are you listening to the teachers? But talk about how you listening to the parents, man. How are you making sure that the parents of your school, man, that you are understanding and listening to what they're saying and, and, and better supporting them? So uh, my, my big thing, you know, you bring up your grandma. One of my things my grandmother said growing up, and I know you heard it, is when you assume you make an ass out of you and me. <laughs> Yeah. So we can sit here and assume what parents are going through, what kids are going through, what teachers are going through. And I will tell you, my walkthrough data has not been great this year because most of the day during when my teachers are playing, I'm going to sit in their classroom with them. And, hey, what, what are you struggling with? What, what can I take off your plate? What? Because, I mean, like I said, this learning how to do be an online instructor is difficult for teachers. I, I don't care how great of a teacher you thought you was, you know, and then they're worried about I'm only getting 60, 70 percent Zoom participation. So really talking with teachers and on a one-on-one -on -one basis or in small groups, really having conversations with them, going to team meetings and things like that to really understand what my teachers, for example, I told you, we've been doing a lot of stuff around Marzano and we try to make it intentional to break things down into digestible bites. And one of the teachers said, we've done a, a great job at that, Dr. Smith, but now, even though you got into the digestible bite, we still need time to digest it. So I'm like, okay, I need to step back, you know, so you know, Tuesday is usually our PD day. So yesterday, I'm like, you know, I'm gonna give you this time. I'm gonna give you this time because we do have, we have kids coming back on Monday. So there were some things that teachers needed to get done to prepare for Monday. And then with, with my parents thing, like I said, I've talked about before, I talked about it at the National Charter School Conference and all that, is my private parent Facebook group is my direct voice to parents. You know, we have over 425 parents in this group who are all parents of my students. And whatever question they got, I'm dealing with this on campus. My iPad broke. You know, whatever it is, or I'm struggling with this. I can't get my kid to get on Zoom. I got to work. So I'm like, what resources do I have at my disposal, whether it be my my counselors, my uh, caring for kids partners, my cornerstone of care partners? What resources do I have that I can help support this parent? I mean, it was even one parent yesterday or last week. My kid can't get in the Zoom class. We're done everything again. And I can't blame the parent because they don't know technology. So I said, you know what? On Monday, on Tuesday, bring your son to the school and I will sit down with him all day long and help him get through his Zoom classes. And we sat down and troubleshoot, shot everything and did all those things. Uh, also, we do co virtual conversations with Dr. Smith. This Saturday is volume two. Basically, parents go on Eventbrite. They register the day of the event. They get a Zoom link. And basically, it's a conversation with me face to face. Like I said, Monday, we got kids coming back. So what does every parent want to know? What are your protocols when kids come back in the building? So that's what the conversation is going to be about on Saturday. So being transparent and making yourself available is a big thing. I guess um, my school and parent community engagement piece is a part of my school improvement plan, but it's also part of my evaluation goals for this school year. So therefore, like if I don't make that mark, then that's, that counts against me on my evaluation. So that's my thing is like making myself as most available to parents as much as possible and giving them the tools. And I, and I said this on once on, on one of Unk shows the other day, I think it was Saturday when they was doing the thing, the parent uh, union thing. Too many times at schools, we talk to we talk at parents and never talk with parents. So that's what I'm trying to change, change the narrative on. How do I have a two way conversation with my parents to make sure their needs are being met? They're getting the tools they need to be advocates for their students. Mm -hmm. Man, listen, I, I can't man. We almost at the hour. And look, we got to we got to go, folks. But we before we go, we got six minutes. So you got six more minutes of this greatness. And then make sure you jump on. At, I think it's eight, eight o'clock. Right. That's what time eight I'm, Easter. I'm going on eight o'clock. And listen, so y'all thought y'all had something here. Okay, y'all make sure y'all tune in at eight o'clock. So as we kind of we're gonna do a little hodgepodge. So our, our our last question was about accountability, right, between parents and teacher, and how we holding. Uh, and there it is. How do you balance holding both teachers and parents accountable while still having a sense of understanding that things are hard, harder currently? 
Listen, so I'll start with this one, um, and I'll make it real quick. I told my parents and I told my teachers, these kids that sit in front of us, regardless of what's happening, they're going to be adults someday. And the society and the world ain't going to care about the COVID pandemic of 2020 slash 2021, especially for our black kids. So, yes, I understand that things are hard, but we got to come together as a community, come together and help one another because these kids got these kids got to be on mark because these are the kids that are, this is the future. These are the ones that are voting in this election. These are the ones that run into small businesses. These are the ones that are running um, local businesses. These are the, the future parents, fathers, uh, mothers, uh, uncles, aunts, mentors, which I, you know, make sure they ain't pimping them, but mentors and teachers and all these other things, man. And we got to make sure regardless of how hard this is, we got to make sure that they have the tools necessary, but it's only going to happen if we, skin folk <laughs> and kin folk, real skin folk and kin folk, if we come together. And so, yes, it's hard, and it's hard for all of us. I'm a principal, uh, and I make good money, but it's been hard for me, so I understand. It, it's not, it hasn't been as hard for others, but I've had my own struggles during this time. But I, I get through it when I have people like 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 Doc and Bob and Unc in the hands and people that I can go to and, and that support circle. So make sure, man, you find your support circle. And if you see somebody struggling, man, bring that person in, man. We can't keep leaving people out, man. And I, my, I got my two military folks and they tell you, what is it, never leave a man behind? Never leave your family behind. Black people, we got to stop leaving each other behind. Bring somebody along, man, build them up, and then we can get through this together. But ain't no time for no excuses, man. Excuses, tools of incompetence, usability, monuments of nothingness, and those who use them, set them out there. Really Shout out to Delta Z, uh, Spring 09, Alpha Phi Alpha. <laughs> uh, so the accountability piece, like I said, it, it's, it's a delicate place. But the thing that I approach the school year with, with my teachers and my staff is, uh, or my parents, is that grace and empathy piece. Like I told my staff, Parents are only going to send you the best they have. Ain't no parent out there, I think, intentionally trying to sabotage their kids' education. Mm. Not mm. one parent out there. But then Tweet on the flip, that. Tweet on the flip, that. On the flip side, I tell my parents, my teachers are not trying to intentionally fail your kid. Tweet that. Tweet that. So there basically, how do we come together? And I've been saying this all summer. This is the time where we as a people need to get back to the village mentality. It Ain't nobody making them through this on their by themselves. Dr. Smith ain't making it through it by itself. My teachers ain't making it through by themselves. The parents ain't going to make it. We all have to be a part of this process. And like I said, we ain't going to get it right every time, but we ain't going to beat nobody down for getting it wrong if they try. That's all. I'm looking for effort. Just give me some effort. If you give me some effort, if you make a mistake, I'm going to praise you for the effort and we're going to get back on track and say, hey, look, here's why we could have did this better. That's all I'm looking for is effort and respect. And we can make it through. But I said, we ain't nobody, ain't, I don't care who you is, ain't nobody getting through this on alone. So mm -hmm. there it is. Bob, man, how, how you how you making sure you hold folks accountable? Because you said it earlier, man, you gotta you got a high performing district. So that means yeah. parents and teachers, man, have high expectations. Yeah, and and I think one of the things, and you you got you you both hit on it, you know, the the idea of empathy and us being in this together. I think that you know our our parents realize that our, our our students realize it and our staff realizes it that you know this isn't something that we get through on our own but i think it takes a level of just that internal fire mm. and just understanding that i play a role in this you know i d i do the morning announcements and i use a quote from one of the 
movies that's on loop in my house right now. Moana. Uh, <laughs> one of, and one of the songs she says, uh, the call isn't out there. It's Ooh. inside me. <laughs> and, you know, as a leader, I've got a responsibility. As, an edu- as a student, I have a responsibility. Students have a responsibility. As teachers, teachers have responsibility. As parents, parents have a responsibility. And we all have to realize, like, we can't project. We can't blame, put, point the finger over there. We can't point the finger over there when something's not getting done, when students aren't meeting the center. It, we got to point that finger back at us and, and reflect and realize what our role is in that. And, and so I, I think just, just calling that out uh, is it, really important that we have a role, we have a responsibility to work together to make sure this thing works for our students. Listen, folks, I told you we got to go because 8, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern on these streets. So, look, we, this is final thought. So we're going to do it like this. I, I, I started it. I'm going to end it. And I promise I'm going to be more gentle in my closing. So, uh, Doc, right. Doc, man, kick us off with final thoughts. Then we go to ball and then I'll end it in a nice way. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try to keep it short. I just, I just really wanted three things. Uh, the first one is, like, shout out to my staff at Grandview Middle School in Grandview, Missouri. Like I said, um, I've been rocking solo dolo for six weeks, running a school of 600 students. Um, the best thing about it is we've been online, uh, but my staff has rocked with me. Um, like I said, I'm pretty sure there was a lot of rumors out there what was going on in our building. You know, there was a lot of outside noise, but they never let the outside noise affect what they was doing on a day-to-day basis. Um, I had several teachers come in, you know, doc, you know, Dr. Smith, we rocking with you. Dr. Smith, we got your back, what you need us to do. So uh, I, I'm thoroughly blessed to have the staff that I have um, that, that rode with me through this turmoil. And we starting to get this shit turned around. Uh, putting this dream team together. Um, so shout out to them. Um, also shout out to my central office uh, who who really stuck by my side and had my back through this whole turmoil thing, you know, where they could have quickly, you know, turned against me that, you know, they basically on several occasions said, we believe in the vision that you have for this school and we rock it with you. Um, and, and that's for my, my, my direct boss, Dr. King, uh, my superintendent, Dr. Rodriguez, Ms. DeAnda over at HR and cook, who's our assistant super for, uh, for operations who really stuck by me through all this. Um, so I shout out to them. And then the last thing I just want to say, you know, um, people in a few days, in a couple of weeks, like you need to get out there and make your voices heard. Like this, this election is so crucial. Your voice matters. And like the quote on the back of my shirt says, the most valuable tool you will ever have is your voice and never let no one take your voice. So I don't care if you have to stand in line It's at 2 a.m. on November the 4th, make sure your vote counts. Because I'm telling you, if things don't go the way they are, you think things are bad now, shit going to get a lot of worse. <laughs> a lot of worse? Ah, out the gate. <laughs> Ball, what, man, what, what, you got on, on close, what you got on closing thoughts, man? Final thoughts. You know, I think this has been a really valuable show. Uh, I hope that our listeners have appreciated the energy that we brought tonight. Uh, because we're here for each other. We're here for the community. Uh, we're here for our communities. We're trying to get better. Uh, each and every day. So I hope that you uh, use it, um, use the knowledge that we shared tonight and you take it back, that you're able to reflect and you think about it. Uh, I I look at every situation uh, as an opportunity to learn. And one of the things that I've really been thinking about through these challenging times is, is that joy that you see in a kid's eyes when they know that you care. So that is what's driving me to make it through all these nights when we're trying to figure out schedules and, you know, who's going to be doing what. Do we got enough staff that's coming back and all those different things that come up? I think about the joy 
that see that 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 we see in kids' faces when they see us, when they're understanding what we're learn what they're supposed to be learning, and they're growing and getting better. So remember that joy. Keep uh, stay motivated and uh, love y'all. Absolutely. Man, first, look, I love y'all. I appreciate y'all rocking with us, man, and having a good show. I appreciate y'all for, for jumping in the comments. So I'll say this. First, next Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Pacific, we got the AOS podcast Twitter chat part two. So make sure you tune, you jump onto that. We don't know what the topic is, but you'll get that soon. So make sure you rock with us on that. Uh, Doc said it, man. Make sure you go out and vote. But here's what I will say. Regardless of what happened, our dreams can't fit in no voting box. So, so we got to still make things happen, regardless. Okay? Yeah, I said Pacific, Pacific, <laughs> Pacific, <laughs> Pacific, West Coast. All of them, all all of them, them. man. West Coast. All all anyway, shoot. Okay. Yeah, our dreams. <laughs> right. Our dreams can't fit in no voting box, man. So listen, vote yes. But after the uh, November fourth, we still gotta handle our shit, man. Community, we gotta be together, man. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. We'll see y'all in the Twitter chat. We'll see y'all in two weeks, man. Make sure 8 p.m. I'm going live in these streets. We love y'all. Peace. Go, Mob. 11802.